Hey guys, what's up? We're back with another episode of No Ride Around. Hey, it's not just Harley and I today uh, randomly talking about where we like to wear our chamois cream, but uh, we got we got ourselves a guest here, huh, Harley? We do. We have my my friend and uh, professional peer colleague, whatever you want to call it, of the last shit too long, 10, long 12 time years now. Yeah, um, Andy Winteraski, head coach of Dirt Smart MTB. Uh, coaching school, does camps all over the country, uh, based here in Denver. Um, and before we go too far into that, I needed to set you guys up with a scenario. Um, innovation's good for the most part, right? We can agree that things like dropper post and one by drivetrains and tubeless tires and tire inserts are all good innovations. Can we not? We can agree with that, right? E-bike, stuff like that. Shut up! (laughs) (laughs) We're gonna. That's that's just a no fly zone. Wow, God. Uh, hi. brutal. Hi, my name is Andy. I just listened to your podcast for the first time last week, and I'm just gonna goad you. Yeah, I don't know the fact that you have such a great handle on the Every, English language. I will eviscerate it's, you. It's, it's positives with words. and it's negatives. You know, I mean, there's there's so, goods and bads everywhere. I don't even want to talk about e-bikes though. Um, but we can gen- we can generally agree. Yeah, I'm up to here with talking about e-bikes. Um, Generally agree that innovation is a good thing, right? Like technology progresses, things get better. So say what you will about Strava. It's created a group of people who, for better or for worse, will not slow down, yield, whatever. It's it's created its this own like kind of negative thing for descending, people looking for king of the mountains or queen queen in the mountains. Strava made me do it. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm training. There are no rules. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. We'll uh, get into her prize speech. Um, <laughs> uh, but so much of Strava was just, or like the functionality of Strava was born off the back of companies like Garmin and Wahoo creating interfaces for you to have this little box on your, on your bike that tells you, not in real time necessarily, but uploading stuff to some cloud that then parses it out into segments and then you can talk shit to your buddies the most recent generation of garments that just came out now track in addition to time which is bad enough right people like not yielding on descents and creating general chaos with other user groups the newest batch of garments have (laughs) some functionality where it tracks airtime and distance Oh my. That's dumb. Oh no. <laughs> Full so, send. So what I'm imagining isn't like skilled, talented riders being able to be like, yeah, well, you know, like this section on the ground is slow, but this section in the air is fast. What I imagine is the watch how high I get. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, just man. the carnage. I'd like to think that that won't get used very much. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I look at all this stuff. Uh, you know, it, it's a tool. Um, Strava's a tool. Yeah. Uh, disc brakes are a tool. Mm-hmm. Like all these things, 
you know, and, and if it's not Strava, if it's not disc brakes, if it's not 29-inch wheels, if it's not e-bikes, there's going to be something else to, to help people go a little faster. And mm-hmm. that we're, you know, let's face it, you know, a lot of us, even if you're not competitive, you like to push yourself a little bit. That's mm-hmm. the human animal. You know, that's what, you know, and some of us like to push ourselves a lot. So it's a tool, you know, and... I mean, I, I've used Strava, you know, uh, yeah. uh, uh, you know, here and there, but I also, I don't, I don't right now. And, yeah. there, and a lot of times when I'm trying to put a, a little bit of a Strava run together, um, a, it's not super accurate. You got to be careful for hikers. Yeah. But also, I'm trying to go fast, and I'm not hitting the fun thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing a manual where there's a perfect little manual spot. I'm, you know, so that's not really, you know, what I'm super into. And also, if you're really into speed and, um. You know, you probably should be looking at times in, in other ways. You should be timing yourself. You should be, you know, somewhere where it's a much more of a closed course situation. And I'm talking more like downhill or enduro type stuff. So, you know, I just, you, I just always, I, I super had to laugh at like the, in my mind, the scenario playing out of people being able to track how you know, high and how far they went on a jump and then the inevitable resulting car. I'm thinking about the, the, the boardroom or someone's like, yeah, let's, yeah. Let's, let's stamp that. Let's yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that meeting. <laughs> right. That meeting. All right. Well, uh, the up, uh, so I, I'm for it. Yeah. Justin's uh, <laughs> going to sell all of his stages yeah. computers and yeah, get I, one no, new I'm, Garmin. I'm for it for one reason only. It it will do just that, but it's going to weed them out real quick. Oh, yeah. people Like the uh, second you explode a wheel and then subsequently your face yeah. followed by every other part of your body. Yeah. That's the last you're time done. you recorded that airtime launch off of the top of Bergen Peak. Yeah, you're not well, sending yeah, there's good airtime, there's bad airtime. Yeah. You, know, you see people, you know, jumping all over the place, A where maybe they're trying to go fast but the, you should be on the ground there. Yeah. B they look stupid. Like yeah. there's good, you know, there's nothing worse than, you know, <laughs> forcing it, yeah. making, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. when it's nice and, you know, there what? should be style points, yeah. you know, style yeah. when, and once that's there, let's yeah. let's, let's go. sign me up. Let's go. <laughs> Yeah, the whole this this whole deal tracking everything is leading us more and more to we need to really consider the idea of the conversation around directional trails. Yeah, the conversation around you oh, know, man, that's uh, it you just, can't even fucking it's a begin whole new, to dude. That's a full podcast. That, but I mean, I spent the weekend down in Buffalo Creek, and I fe- it was crisscross weekend down there. You guys remember crisscross? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you ever wear your jersey back? You know the the like yeah. I missed the bus, Chris. Yeah. That's what I thought you were you know? talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, nah, yeah. he's, he's talking no, about yeah, something, for sure. something like, else. You know, crisscross, make you jump. jump yeah, yeah. Okay? yeah. They wore so their they clothes, clothes backwards. backwards. Yeah. Everybody down at Buffalo Creek was on crisscross day going uphill on yeah. all areas that there was no business going. Like, now, if riding uphill on Charlie's Cutoff is akin to you literally walking into my living room and peeing on me while yeah. I'm watching the game, like, on my couch. It is such a vile... Just complete so, bass backwards move. It's like riding up in Shannon Forest on an Dude, even day. I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna you stop doing? you real quick though, <laughs> because Andy's not gonna be sympathetic to your stance because the only thing that Andy has ever said to me about Buffalo Creek is how the hell you make a trail goes uphill both ways. <laughs> <laughs> Not a huge fan of Buffalo Creek. I, I like it for what it is. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just not really my style. No, it's an, X, it's an XC guys yeah, yeah, area, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, but people going up, just anywhere. I mean, there are I was, some fun sections on there. Totally. And yeah, it's yeah. Like, we finally get to the fun part, and if you have four dudes coming up that, you're like, oh, yeah. man, come on. Um, I'm no. not going to get involved in it because we had mixed listenership, but it was frustrating. Everyone fit kind of the same demo that was going uphill. And boy, I was blown out of my mind. And then even like our local, tra- like Green Mountain, yeah. XC training area, 
why would you ride box of rocks is ba- right. you're barely able to keep your bike on that trail downhill because of how baby heady it is mm-hmm. why are you riding uphill and for the last three times out there i've seen people doing it i even saw there's a, a high school team that trains out there and their coach was leading five of these little xc kids uphill and i i just had to stop and be like dude what are you doing riding it's 5 p.m on a weekday and you're riding these kids up box of rocks and he thought i was joking he's like <laughs> we always ride up box of rocks and I'm like, oh, you missed, you missed the yeah, point. You yeah. didn't get it. You know, I think, um, so I just came from Fruta. All right. Fruta in April. You know, the weather, I don't, the weather was a little sketchy. 53,000 people in the desert. You know, everybody to, to was quote, in Fruta. To quote one of my students, like, where's, where's Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck? You yeah. know, like what, you know, I mean, it was the most people I've ever seen out there. Granted, it's spring in Fruta in April. So it, it's nuts. But, you know, it's like, it's like a, a festival. Um, and on the, you know, so we're sitting here talking about we we all essentially make our living in the mountain bike world, right. you know. If you asked me that you could do that 25 years ago, I'd be like there's no way we would be sitting around this table talking about this stuff. So everything has its its growing pains and you see that, you know, that's why you know, I'm I'm I suggest to people, you know, go and do some lift runs. Go and, you know, really work on your riding on trails where you know there's no one coming the other way because yeah you get out here and, and you know 20 years ago 15 years ago you know in the middle of the day in the middle of the week you might see one or two people on bikes and a couple people running now all day long it's packed yeah brings um, up a whole different weird problem here in denver is that nobody goes to jobs no we don't have jobs <laughs> well, not anymore <laughs> no. you know you can work no. a job anytime you like, want that, yeah. that like, internet thing you know like i'm thankful for every person that comes in this store incidentally we are recording from base camp cyclery today that's a it's a new little thing we're doing yeah this is great we're yeah. talking bikes surrounded by there harley you have you have 46 boxed bikes surrounding yeah. us right we now have it's a lot like of bikes a, it's like a tetris we're inside of a tetris game of bicycles yeah um but yeah, no, I'm of course thankful for every person that walks in the door. But sometimes they're like, I, there's some work I need to get done at like two o'clock on a Tuesday, and the, people don't work in this no, town. No, like no. they do, obviously they make money, but nobody has to go to a job. Yes, you know, you, you, yeah, and you, so you have people out, tons of people out on the trails. I mean, but we're seeing good stuff. Like you're seeing, especially like White Ranch, you know, oh, like yeah. the lower, you know, so you're good starting to see directional downhill things. And also, I think you know, you know, I, I'm. I, I may be wrong here, but mountain bikers are doing the majority of the work on the trails. No, they are. There was, um, Comba had a stat, I think it was for 2017. Um, and I'm going to botch some of this. So I'll just, these are all approximate numbers, but there was 14, no, 12,000 logged hours, volunteer hours in Jefferson County. A touch over half of that was logged by the mountain bike community. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can yeah. tell when you see trail improvements and there are berms. Yeah. Or not in like pump sections. Right. Okay. Not a lot of hikers need berms and pump sections, right? right? So right. <laughs> when you see the trail upkeep, yeah, it is bikers. And so when it comes to like global perspective, I feel like mountain bikers, we're the ones that are doing a lot of the work. But on a micro perspective, on a day to day encounters, we're obviously Satan. No. Oh, still. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, and, and and again, you can kind of see that because there are people, there are a lot of people that aren't riding super responsibly. Uh, I try to. I, I really try to always do the best I can. But every once in a while, you do surprise somebody. Yeah. Um, a and, blind corner is a blind corner. Right. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and you're know, not going to scrub brakes just on the odd chance that somebody. Right. And, and if they're looking down with their earbuds in, and all of a sudden you're even oh, well, slower yeah. 20 feet. But, but the, the the thing is, is also if this if we were having this conversation five years ago, I would be complaining a ton about a lot of the trail building 
that was going on. Like, there's a burn, but it's totally in the wrong place. These guys just spent two days moving a whole bunch of dirt where there's nothing but rocks, and it's in totally the wrong place. Now we're starting to see pretty good trail building. We're starting to see directional stuff. And hopefully, and especially with all the pressure we see on these trails, it keeps moving in that direction. Otherwise, yeah. we wouldn't, you know, so... I mean, yeah, we're starting- it bums me out big time, too, but it's like, you know, I, I see it slowly, you know, moving moving the right way. No, and, for sure. You know, no, like I was, I was the fruit of this weekend. I was like, are you kidding me? But then it's the same time. You're like, Hey, at least, uh, you know, everybody from Denver was in fruita. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. yeah. So let's, um, let's hit a pause button. Who the hell are you, Andy? Why does your opinion matter at all? <laughs> I don't know if it does. <laughs> we just got no, uh, no, I, 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 I just want to back it up. Andy and I have worked together for, um, over 10 years. Um, we had, a bike shop gig together for a little while. Um, but if you want to like have some mountain bike history, like you were doing downhill and dual slalom back in the late nineties with some pretty recognizable names, um, doing some cool shit here in Colorado. So where did, where, give yeah. me, give me a little bit. Ah, uh, man, I guess, you know, started riding, uh, mountain bikes. Yeah. I rode BMX motocross a little bit as a kid and, you know, then high school did, you know, t- stick and ball sports stuff. Uh, um, started riding mountain bikes, I think like 90 or 91, like kind of real early. Um, when the technology was super good, I was, you drop your, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a road bike with, you know, 26 inch knobby tires. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, um, uh, started racing a little bit, got into like downhilling and stuff, probably 93, 94. And, you know, took, that was, I was living in Michigan. Moved out here, raced uh, real serious for, for a while. Uh, kind of hung that up around 2000, 2001. And, you know, by then I was, I was working in shops and, you know, kind of involved in the industry through racing and, uh, you know, started coaching and uh, probably a few years after that. But, you know, all kinds of stuff, mm-hmm. from building trails to doing, you know, media stuff to working in shops to, you know, wrenching for teams. Uh, and then the coaching is really what kind of took over. I've been doing that pretty much full-time for about the last 10 years. Worked for Better Ride for a long time um, and then started Dirt Smart, uh, 2013, 14, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And that's been my gig, uh, you know, since then. Since so, then, yeah. What's, yeah. The, uh, what's the first mountain bike you owned? First mountain bike I owned was a Specialized Rock Hopper. Oh, yeah, dude. What's color? It was, it was white with uh, red red uh, details. And I... I was going to school. It was it was my first it was my first year at school, and it was finals week. And I I would always lock it up to this little tree that was maybe like four inches around, like out right outside my my dorm. And um, got done with my last final, and it was locked up there. But I walked to the final, and it was it was party time. I'm like, oh, my bike's still locked around that tree. Yeah, whatever. And I came came back, and the tree's laying in the ground. The <laughs> bike's gone. Bike is gone. <laughs> um. So one of the things I think I appreciate most about uh, your perspective on the mountain bike stuff is, you know, if you and I are the uh, the current representation of, you know, I'm going to have a sushi burrito and a kombucha <laughs> after, you know, you know what I mean? If, if we're oh, like yeah. the sleek, you know, Mercedes or BMW, Andy is the bombed out. <laughs> the ratty pickup truck. Pickup truck <laughs> with a blanket over like raw coils. And he'll smoke everybody on a bike. Like, like, <clears throat> I don't know about that. I mean, a, a lot of people, you know what I mean? Like the, I think the, the again, the thing I, I tend to appreciate most about your perspective is like, yeah, all that other shit's pretty cool. But 
Well, let's 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 actually make the point. Let's drive the point home. Uh, what kind of mattress did you sleep on last night, Harley? Really nice one. I was on a temperature <laughs> cloud. Yeah. I was on a cloud. We have a king. Yeah. Uh, Andy, where did you sleep last night? I slept in my van last night. <laughs> All right, so. I, I, I do have a home. But, uh, <laughs> I like like one with an address and yeah. stuff. Yeah. But, uh, not not with not four down, wheels. Not on down by the river. Yeah. <laughs> but the van might be a little nicer. You yeah. know. Uh, we actually um, did talk about that. Sleeping in a car is actually a little more, but it's more about the uh, the spirit of it, less probably about the actual amenity. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing also with coaching is uh, there's there's so many coaches these days. And, you know, so many people are in it for a little while and they coach for a little while and they realize, hey, wow, you know, there's not much money in this and I'm giving up my Saturdays and I'm not going to give up my real job. Um, you know, everybody I know that, that actually does make a living on it, which is at it, which is a handful of people. You're gonna be you're gonna be living out of your vehicle a bunch, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I you know I fly all over the country, so a lot of hotels, a lot of airports. So that's all part of it, you know. I mean, if you're not willing to sleep in the van, you know, a bunch of nights, you know, what you're not uh, gonna... what? Okay, this total aside, what do you use to travel with your bike? What do you fly with? Like Evoc what, case. You use the Evoc yep. Pro bag. Yep. And then you just pay the fee every time, or how do you? What, yeah, what do you do? Seventy five bucks it. each way. Um, well, that, and that's with Southwest. Yeah, with Southwest. I was yeah. gonna say I've paid up one fifty each way a couple right. of times. I I I always fly Southwest. Really? Uh, I frequently change flights, and they they're pretty good about about that. People are always like, "Hey, man, you want to stay Monday and do some private coaching?" Like, cool. I'll switch my flight. I'll call, you know. So yeah. flat Southwest and you know points and all that crap. But yeah, I do the Evoc bag. I've tried doing uh, like bike flights yeah. and. You know, I've got a couple bikes and shipping one bike and, you know, then I'll have the other bike. Um, just kind of too much of a hassle. I just kind of, that's, that's what I found is the best way. You know? Yeah. I, uh, I like the Evoc bag. I use that as well. Did you, do you, I did forget to take my CO2 cartridges that one time. Oh, Created an international security incident in Costa Rica. Real big deal. <laughs> turns out they don't like that. Down no, there. it turns out I was like, but I brought them here and they, they didn't like, I don't understand what you said. And I'm like, well, I don't understand what you said. Yeah, I got it. I have an interesting story. It's pretty long though about that. But yeah, uh, they don't they don't like that. No, no, no. <laughs> um, so, so coaching for a long time. When I first met Andy, um, he was uh, working part time at a at a shop that we were working at together uh, here in Denver, and you were heading up to what is now bike soul vista i don't know what it's called now ramby ranch ramby ranch yeah. i don't know oh yeah. yeah anyway you were heading up there for a summer of digging trail and riding uh demo bikes and uh well i got fancy feet leave me be. <laughs> we keep <laughs> like so we, we are have a swivelly chair we're bringing this back but we, we'll bring this back but we are in base I camp to, and i need to like sit we're this in, far like, away we're in harley's office right so we're in harley's office so he's sitting in the chair that he spends tuesday through saturday in <laughs> wheeling and dealing making this place exist I mean, and i didn't realize he spins around like the fucking black swan <laughs> right like he's literally he's denver got the, ballet he's got right now radius he just keeps spinning and spinning i'm freaking I'm, sick over here here and the the clumping that you're hearing is each time Harley spins around at like 86 like, RPM, he's just occasionally knocking his five tens against the desk. So my, apologies, sorry, guys, guys, if you hear like that's sorry. it. Harley did four rotations. Yeah. Anyway, so you were doing uh digging some trail up there. Um, that was a pretty cool scene for a little while. That Had, was awesome. Uh, yeah. Two DH nat- no like just nationals up there. Yeah, U.S. nationals. Yeah, that was cool. Yep. Um, did you race those? 
Um, they didn't have. I was there two thousand eight, mm-hmm. so like the state champs were there. We oh, had maybe it was, race. it was state champs. Yeah, the nationals yeah, were yeah. the year after, and then also in two thousand ten. They, yeah. I think they had them two years. I think the fastest I've ever seen a human being go on a bicycle <laughs> was. Uh, I want to say it was two thousand. It was the year that there was the three big jumps. Mm-hmm. They're two thousand ten, probably. Nine it was or nine 10? or ten. Yeah. I can't remember, but so. Matt Thompson and Moga and all those guys, like they know how to build a jump. Yep. And um, <laughs> there's these three massive jumps that I could never hit, like in my wildest dreams. I mean, I think they were, you know, 30, 30, and 50. Like they were they, 30, 40 something, and 50. Yeah, they were huge. But, you know, that was our thing up there, too. Like I wasn't, that was a year yeah. after I was there. Yeah, but- yeah. Yeah, if you if you build jumps correctly, they're fairly safe. Yeah, uh, I mean, literally, you could you could hit those jumps. I I mean, I, you know, right? You need, <laughs> somebody needs to like. I would need to follow somebody's to for the speed. Those jumps were built so that that was basically it. If you had the speed, it's gonna they're gonna put you over real yeah. nice. You know, there were other sections where you had a you know you had to have some skill. You mm-hmm. had to rip a corner. You had to pop. It was. You know, but you know some more technical stuff. But those were easy peasy. Yeah, and but people were so wound out about them. Right, they were so mad. Um, But that was uh, back when Aaron Gwynn was on the Yeti Factory team, so of course he was there. And uh, Sean Palmer was actually like decided he was going to do something that year, so that was cool for me. Just like growing up watching watching Palmer, but the fastest, and it didn't his bike and how fast Aaron Gwynn was going on that course. First of all, just sounded different. <laughs> Gwyn is a special creature. Like, I mean, but just you knew he was the last one coming down because you knew he qualified la- if you know qualified best, and like so everybody knew like Palmer went because everybody's just like, well, okay, fine, it's Palmer, and then Gwyn followed him, and it was just a different sound of the tires on the dirt, how he hit the jumps, how he banged in, like the way, the force that he hit. Cause there was like a berm kind of shortly after the last jump there. Right. Something like that. Yeah. The bottom yeah. was bermed out pretty nice. I mean, and, and he just murdered those berms. Yeah, there's a bunch of whoops probably then a yeah. right hand. Yeah. You could just slam. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Never seen a human being go that Aaron, fast. Aaron Gwynn is one of those, one of those people I've been fortunate, I guess, to, to be around, uh, you know, like, you know, wrestle at a pretty high level and you get around, you know, good people and that are, you know, you're like, man, I could maybe make it to that next level. You know, mountain biking, I, yeah, I was a mid-pack, you know, pack filler guy, you know. Right. Um, and you think maybe, you know, if I wouldn't have got hurt, or if I had more money or whatever, I could have made it up to, you know, and, you know, who knows. But then you actually get to ride with a guy like Aaron Gwynn or some, like, top level, you know, Olympic you know, wrestler, and you're like, nope, no, nope. never, never would have got there. I wasn't. I thought <laughs> I was. I thought I, I was five yeah, percent different, no, and I'm fifty percent different. Wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, you look at the, those top top people, and they just—it's everything. It's yeah. genetics. It's work ethic. It's yeah. it's intelligence. It's mm-hmm. it's all of it. You know, yeah. and he, yeah, he he's an animal. Yeah. No, that was one of the most impressive uh, displays of of bike speed right. that I've I've ever seen. I've yeah. never seen anything like it. Yeah. And it's crazy to think that there's. You know, at the and that this was before he was on the doing. He had done like one or two World Cups at this point. You know, this was the yeah. That's probably his first big first year. year. Yeah, yeah. That's probably 2010. Um, you know, and now to think he's won as much as he has, and that there's legitimately like five other people who are 
arguably as fast as he is. Yeah. You know? That's yeah. He's definitely on. I mean, and you look at also, he's, he's won overall World yeah. Cups. Oh, you know? dude, he's smashed. He's definitely, uh, if I have to pick, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'll put money on him all day long. Yeah. You know, or, or a burrito. Yeah. I'll put a burrito <laughs> on him all day long. <laughs> Every day. Um, no, uh, he's, he's, he's got, he's, you know. Yeah. Hey. He's great, man. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so the, the burrito references, we, uh, a handful of years ago. So there's what, seven rounds of the, uh, UCI downhill world cup. And a handful of years ago, we started, um, placing burrito bets, buy-ins a burrito. And, um, it's, it's prices, right? Rules. So you don't have to pick the winner. You just have to like whoever's pick finishes the best wins and whoever's pick finishes the worst pays the winner, which ensures that burritos are being eaten no matter what. Yeah. Somebody's right. getting a burrito. Yeah. Um, guac is included. It's not, it, that's it's a burrito with guac. Don't care. Uh, so you're talking it's a fancy bet. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a big deal. Um, <laughs> If you're, we, we had to make some, we had to like update some rules though. Cause you know, you, you had to, the, we had to pick before qualifying. I think you're like, you're, you had to lock your, your pick in before the morning of qualifying. You couldn't pick like the, and you couldn't pick the current points leader. Right. right. Um, so, but if your rider got in, if you made your pick, then your rider got hurt in qualifying, you could buy back in. For an order of chips and queso. Ooh. <laughs> this is an elaborate. This is all yeah, very well thought. Yeah. <laughs> you guys put fantasy football to shame. We did. We did. So, um, so you guys are sitting. You guys talking these pros, right? And and you've been in that world for so long, right? And and now you make you make a living coaching. But are you coaching pros? or Are you coaching Joes? Mainly Joes. <laughs> uh, but you, but the, you've but that's coached good. some. You've, you've yeah, You've yeah. Done some work I've with some a lot of, you know, high level. Um, yeah. you know, working with um, you know, a couple teams back east. Um, it's been a few years since I've really worked with some really top of the line people. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. The cool thing is, it's it's all super similar stuff. And when I really work with when I work with really high level riders, um, what it usually usually I work with a, a younger rider. Okay, and this is this is the same thing. Like when I was, you know, racing it, when I was really serious about it, you don't go that fast unless you're doing everything pretty well. Like you take a picture of the top riders in a corner, they're all going to look very similar. Um, however, a lot of times those riders don't really know exactly what they're doing. So if you can even get them to know, check all these boxes. This is why you're riding well. So then they, you, you know, and everybody gets in slumps. Like for some reason, I can't finish my corners or whatever's going on. Well. What are you doing different than what you were doing when you were doing it well? And that's and if you can, that's a huge thing. And I've had people email me, dude, thank you for that because I I didn't figure that out last year. You know, I wasn't my weight wasn't quite right, or I was I was moving around, I was getting too I was I was too high going into the corner, so I was dropping in the corner, and that's why I'm you know drifting wide. And so uh, you're 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 still coaching, but a lot of times you're just helping people realize what they're doing. You just you're just upping the the the, the riding IQ. Totally, is their awareness. Doing. Just yeah. don't think about it. Yeah. Is it common for these top-level riders, kind of to circle back around to something you said, is it common for them to be fast and not know why? I think at this at this point in our game, um, well, like, probably not anymore. Well, but like how instinctual is, is, is it for somebody to just know how to jump a bike or how to, how to have that vision or... 
you know, like, like where does, where's just that natural inherent. Well, I think you'll see, you'll see that like with kids, but, but also those kids are spending every day. They're not working. They don't mm-hmm. have jobs. They don't have, you know, so you'll see some kid that's 14, 15 years old and already ripping. Mm-hmm. Well, that kid's got hours and hours and hours, you know, under their belt already. Um, you know, someone coming in a little bit older, you're fr- It's not, it's, it, you got to put that time in. Right. You're, you're basically connecting new dots in your brain, right? Right. And even, even coaching, you know, like yesterday coach, you know, everybody wants to learn how to jump. Well, here's, here's what's going on. Here's here. There's are, 10 other things you got to do right. First. Yeah. And here are. No way. Dude, we're measuring my airspeed. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, you know, so, but no matter what, it's going to take time and feel, you know, mm-hmm. you can read about it. You can, I could draw you flow charts and graphs, but you have to put some time out there. Now, Knowing what you should be doing is obviously huge compared to trying to figure it out with trial and error, but you have to put you have to put time in. Right. You know? Well, and I and I ask because you know I watch every round of sorry the phone's going off. <laughs> I watch every round of the World Cup, and I've taken your curriculum twice. Um, and you know, you look like a, you look at a guy like Danny Hart's the one that like in my mind, like immediately jumps out as somebody who looks like he just rides too high, but the guy's been world champ. He snaked Gwen on a couple of races that I know Gwen was pissed about because mm-hmm. it was by like half a second. Um, so the guy's fast, but if you, if you, you know, you, you reference the system checks, you know, is my mm-hmm. weight in my feet is my back heel dropped is my, you know, my halfway between my push up and my squat, you know, yep. am, am I, am I going through my, my checklist? And you look at him, and he looks like he's bolt upright on the bike. Yeah, and it's just like, well, you know, you, you know, you look at all those dudes, yeah. and they're working on their riding, yeah. you know. And I think at this point in the game, most of the most of the top guys have probably had some riding coaching, if not a lot. Yeah, uh, like I kind of look at motocross, like you know, downhilling is a, a twenty years behind motocross. Mm-hmm. Pretty much all all of those guys have had the top riders either have riding coaches, and obviously they all have trainers and mm-hmm. you know, nutritionists, all that stuff. They either have riding coaches or they have worked with riding coaches in the past, like all of them. Um, and mountain biking is just a little bit behind, downhilling is a yeah. little bit behind that. So there's there's got to be a few people out there that haven't had any coaching, especially some of the older guys. Yeah. But um, not many at this no. point. Well, yeah. and that's that's a that's a fun thing to touch on because when you're what five years older than me, four years older than me, something like that. Yeah, yeah something like that. Anyway, so you know the guys that you were arguably just racing with and the guys that I was looking at um, in all the, all the bike magazines back in the day, you know, Sean Palmer, Cedric Gracia, like none of them took this shit seriously at all. Uh, I mean, they did, but they didn't, but like, you know, there was a big, a big thing. Like, Oh, I'm, I'm coming off the couch with a Budweiser that, you know, Sean Palm, Palmer that, trained his ass off. Cedric but, Gracia trained his ass but off. But they still, <laughs> Like there was like that's not even a, a factor. Like you know, who was the most dominant in that era? Nicholas Vuillo. Yeah, ten out of ten times they called him the alien because he he wouldn't stop winning. Yeah. Um. Now, and, and he won for a long ass time because then he went and raced enduro and smashed that too. Yeah. yeah uh, he was a he was a freak of nature too. Total. Um. He's that that the the extra couple of like chromosomes that just make yeah. you a better bike racer. Yeah. Um. But. Not for nothing, like whether there was any merit to it, like Sean Palmer definitely partied his ass off. Yeah. And well, definitely I, raced and hung over and definitely like 
and I'm not saying they didn't train, but when you look at, you know, the Atherton's and Gwen and like, they've made a really big focus of like off season training and doing interval work and making sure that they're athletes and not just, you know, these, you yeah, know, you can't, I mean, you know, for a long time you could kind of get away with that yeah. too, but not anymore. No, um, no. and you know, one of the last ones was probably, uh, Josh Bryceland. Oh he God. Yeah. Up. But that dude trains yeah. his ass yeah. he, or did, you know, yeah. um, I'd you argue know, Petey. He got, yeah, but same deal. You know, yeah. that those guys are all in shape yeah. and, you no, know, they, they work their asses off. Yeah, and I, I would yeah. never say that they now, didn't. Now, you know, after the race at the bar, it's, <laughs> Forget a, good, about it. it's a good time, you know, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, but it was just a totally different perception of what, you know, again, you know, when we were coming up in it in the late nineties and the early two thousands, like you had two like really clear, distinct groups of, of mountain bikers. You had downhill free ride and they were baggy shorts and knee pads and boozing it up and partying. And then you had the, you know, the perception of the straight laced XC racer. And I would say at this point, the ride, like, at the profession, and I'm saying this is all at the professional level. You had, you know, Richie Slay and Wade Simmons and and all those guys. Like, they, it was just like the whole gravity side of the sport was so much looser. Oh, for sure. Than it is now. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, but now, like, you know, it from that perspective, they all kind of just exist in the same spot. It's just the disciplines are are different. Yeah, and I also, you know, like we're like mountain biking's got so big now. I mean. You know, you go to a local race and everyone's going to be having having a good time. Oh, for sure. You know, um, but also, you know, you look at like where where downhilling is at now. It is getting the heyday. Like people say that the hey, like late '90s when the Norbert Nationals were here, mm-hmm. the pits were huge. You had you know Toyota, Mountain Dew, like all yeah. these big corporate sponsors. People people were making a lot of money. Um, you know, the rumors were like where Palmer and like Tomac were pulling over a million bucks a year. Um, it's not quite back there yet, but it's getting there. Like you look at Red Bull, you look at you know the the quality of of the racing that you see at the World Cup. A lot of a lot of people complain about how the tracks are are changing and they're just freeways now and they're super. But that looks good, you know. Yeah. Air speed and airtime looks good. Yeah. They're um, but they're also I mean the, not for nothing they're nasty. Like oh yeah, Mount Saint Anne is a nasty course and it's on the schedule every well, year. And, yeah, and you know the the. the my my point is that you're the money's back. Yeah. You know, when you bring that money back, well, you know, it's it's it, it's nice to make that money. Yeah. So guys like, you know, that was fun, but yeah. I gotta get my ass in shape. Yeah, yeah. I'm like I can't know. go go right. party in the night before a big race. So if you got so we're stuck we're on these on the pros. And it's gotta be fun. I'm in the same way. Like owning a gym business, people all the time are like, Hey, you know, do you you work with any of the athletes in town? And um Frankly, if you're a coach to a, a significant pro athlete, you're just, that's a new name. You're just like that pro's bitch, right? Yeah. Like you're sitting there like stretching his freaking hamstrings, like staring at his crotch. Like I'm not, not into this right now, you know? Yeah. And I think one of the reasons that I feel that way is that it's very hard. Like you talked about, these are just micro progressions you could maybe make with this pro on this one race, on that one turn that they're struggling with, right? 100%. And yeah, it's super rewarding to see your guy on the box, right? But Joe's when you're coaching Joe's, I love coaching. I, dude, I yeah, love it. it's like it's it's time warp skill development, and so at some point throughout our chat today, you know, we're gonna cover something that I think all of our our listeners can can walk away and say, oh wow, that's cool. I took this thing from Andy in Dirt Smart. That was sweet. So we're gonna try to weave in here between you two 
reliving the <laughs> fucking YouTube highlight reels from the late 90s and early 2000s. As a matter of fact, D, can we get like a strong like Bush soundtrack or like if you can get some Soundgarden or something like that because let's really tie this thing together. Um, but we're going to try to give our listeners, let's give them, let's give five quick tips that will instantly make a rec rider, which most of our listeners I would imagine are rec yeah. riders or um, at some point in that progression. What are five things that we can do tomorrow on our ride that will instantly feel like, holy crap, you know, that was a lot better. Like, well, maybe having a coach or speaking with a coach or maybe, you know, maybe taking my ride a little seriously tomorrow. Maybe by doing that, I actually enjoyed it more. I have this conversation a lot of times in the gym because I do like to be a lifestyle-based fitness guy. But many people take their mountain biking hobby or passion and they treat it just as that. And then I show them how like, hey, working out in the gym, did you see how much longer you could go on Saturday or how much easier that climb was, which made that descent that much more fun? And um, and when people say, yeah, I'm going to use mountain biking or cycling or something like that for my my off day work, or that's my car, it's a workout, I tell them then respect it. Like when you get done with your workout, sorry guys, we're not having like burgers and beers in the parking lot. If it was your workout, treat it like a workout, have some protein shake and move on, right? Um, maybe if we took it a little seriously with like five quick tips, man, what could I do? And uh, that's why I like coaching Joe's myself. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm sure you do. I, I, I love it. Um, yeah. I, I mean, you, you, when that light bulb comes on and it clicks, I mean, that's what you do it for. You know? So cool, so, right? You want a tip right now? Let's, let's, start do, with let's one. do one. Let's, let's do, do one. one. Like one. Number one, top of the box. Like top, top of the list. Most important, easy thing that somebody sure. can do. Sure. Um, so one of the first things we work on is body position on the bike. Um, and you know, there's a ton to it. Uh, but real quick, keep your weight on your feet and get low on the bike, get in a squat, bend your legs. That's why dropper seat posts are there. I, I ride descending on a bike without a dropper seat post. I, I'm not going to do it. I'll, you know, so you're, not, you're not into sodomy. No, <laughs> not, well, so, yeah, I don't know. What are we talking about? <laughs> talking, talking about mountain biking. Um, um, so if, and here's a couple, here's a couple keys to make sure that you're doing that. If you're, but you're, you're descending, you're going downhill, you're dropping your post, you're low on your bike. If the bike were to disappear, would you land on your feet? And the answer should be yes. And also, could you if could you flutter your fingers? In theory, could you take your hands off the bars and nothing would change? So that's part of the little like system checks we do, yeah. right? When we're descending, yeah. right? Now your body's starting to work in an athletic sense. Balance support power coming from your legs. People will talk about like wading the front of the bike, and you do not want to do that. <laughs> okay, well, I could get into that, but we're not going to bother. Yeah, Some, yeah. oh, well, my, well, this guy's really fast. He says he waits his bars in the corner. Well, it's too bad. He'd be faster if he didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah, keep your weight in your feet. If the bike were to disappear, you would land on your feet, um, and your body's starting to work in an athletic sense. With the design of the bicycle, you're weighting the bottom bracket. The bike's going to pivot and roll over stuff the way it should. There you go. Nice. Tip number one. So, and I've done. Again, just to circle back around, I've done Andy's curriculum twice. And uh, the first time he's like, yeah, no, get get low. And then he'll have you go down this little section of trail and they'll take a picture of you. And he'll be like, you felt like you were low, didn't you? And he'll be like, yeah, dude, I felt like super low. I felt like really good. And then he'll show you the picture and you are not low. So anytime you think you're low, you can get lower. I promise. Yeah. Every, every camp I do, that's yeah. very seldom. Yeah. Very seldom do I have somebody that will naturally be low enough on the yeah. bike and, and you know we'll do it on the easy sections and yeah. in the parking lot as soon as we we get out of the trailer as soon as we start focusing on something else boom everybody, yeah, everybody pops comes up high, up high. You know? well it's uh, tough it's tough because there's a you know we're most people not all but most people that are into mountain biking 
Like there's kind of this control freak sort of aspect to it. And you think the more I can control this thing, the better, the better off I'm going to be. And I say this to people and I'm by no means a bike coach. I'm just in like a normal life coach, which is, Hey dude, there's way more technology in that bike than in your silly ass brain. Yeah. So the, the nerd who designed it knows better than you. Yeah. Let right. it, let it go. So that's as a, frozen that, would say. That, that's a huge thing is let the bike do the work for you. You know, so much of riding is in, in, you know, technique and being as efficient as safe and as fast as possible is getting out of our own way. You know, letting your body work the way that it works well, letting the bike work the way that it's supposed to work. We bring, you know, movement habits from the rest of our life onto the bike, and they're not always correct. And a lot of things we should be doing on the bike are very counterintuitive. So, you know, that's why I can make a couple bucks doing this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one of the things that I, as a person who talks to, say, 50 mountain bikers a week, just from them coming to the store looking for new bikes... Um, a lot of those riders are still riding their 1991 rock hopper. And you start talking to them about some mind blowing shit, like dropper seat posts. Um, everybody can wrap their head around a little bit more travel, better suspension, better, um, brakes, um, one chain ring. Even people who have been riding on three chain rings for 30 years can at least wrap their head around, um, having a single chain ring on a mountain bike, but for an alarming number of older school riders, the, the, uh, the dropper post is like a bridge too far. Um, that's too bad because it, it it's, is, it's the most important thing on the bike in my you know, opinion. I, 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 so there's the, the most common argument. And I deal with this too. I yeah, do. no, I know you do. I know you do, but I want to bring it up because I feel like there are people who listen to this, <clears throat> Roger, um, <laughs> who will refuse to accept the the benefits of you know. So the the common argument for the the rider that um, just can't get their head to a dropper post, even a short one, even like a minimal drop, is well, I I, I use my seat to steer my bike. That's can too you bad. can you please tell me tell them all the reasons that's wrong? Sure. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try. I'll, I mean, not I'll, all of them. I'll but jump like, on the top of the pile. But, yeah, but I mean, like, and, so, and, and be mean. Yeah, so Because they deserve all, it. <laughs> um, so first of all, you know, your bike should, what I was talking about, about getting low on the bike, getting your weight in your feet, your weight's in the bottom bracket, the bike will pivot and move, okay, around that bottom bracket. That's the calmest place of the, uh, part of the bike. So if that bike's pivoting around the bottom bracket, the wheels are floating over stuff, what's your seat doing? It's moving fore and aft big yeah, time. Yeah. If you're using that as a control mechanism, then you're moving fore and aft big time. Yeah. That's like the old thing, well, I squeeze the seat on the descent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's too bad because your whole core is bouncing around everywhere where that seat goes. If your core is not a balanced and stable platform, you're going to be ineffective with your movements. Your head's going to be bouncing around. Now you can't, your vestibular center, balance center in your ears aren't going to work. Your vision's not going to work. You're in you're digging it's your a way mess. out of a hole. Yeah, you're it's putting a down damn fires. mess. And let's go. Let's go up. So when it comes to speed or safety, really, it's the same thing. It's a human body working in, in an athletic sense. Um, now the app, the applications may be different. All right. So let's look at Aaron Gwynn. There's a great video. Aaron Gwynn's off-season training that's kind of floating oh, yeah, around yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Take a look at him. You know, he's sometimes tall on the bike when the trail's easy, but whenever anything gets gnarly, especially braking, setting up for corners, yeah. 
He's in a squat. He is low. If he, if there's a seat in the way, he can't get there. Yeah. All right. That's Aaron Gwen. People are like, yeah. wait, well, that's Aaron Gwen. All right. Well, let's look at like enduro racing. Let's look at a good trail bike. Every single one of them has a drop post mm-hmm. on them. There's a reason for Remember that. Remember when bikes didn't come with them? Oh, it was terrible. So no, you had to use the quick release to slide it down. I just mean like the technology existed, but people wouldn't put oh, them no, on yeah. bikes. Well, and, and here's the other thing. Is it thing. downhill for a long time? Because I'm going to drop the post right, for this. Right. And then you get off, you drop it. Jump and, off and, you know. It, you know, you a big thing that we take out of the camps is you have, your legs are the workhorse of your body. You're using your leg, your, your glutes, your quads, most powerful muscles in your body. You can't straighten your legs and use that power if they're already straight. If your seat is up in the air, your legs are straight. You're either on top of the seat or you're behind the seat. Now you're using all upper body. You're supporting your mass with your upper body. Once your arms are supporting your mass, they're rigid. You can't make precise movements. Mm-hmm. You can't make steering, lean angle, all these little adjustments. So yeah, you're yeah, you're wrong. You're you're dead in the water. Yeah. So get that seat out of the way. You know, and it's the uh, oh man, the, it's the XC guy who wants the light bike yeah. that's still going to argue the dropper post for that purpose. But I would take a five pound penalty to have my dropper post on my race yeah, bike. It but, just, just but even still, every time you look at and again, and it's only know, like a pound and a half, so it's not a huge. If anybody can make a real argument for being needing the lightest bike. It's the top tier racers because the, the oh Nino the, are you Nino the, yeah well, but but arguably you know for 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 the Joes um, you know it doesn't matter like most of us you know have some extra weight or you know could develop some more strength or power or do more cardio so like does having a twenty five versus a twenty six pound bike make a difference not really you can make a way stronger argument for you know these top tier riders who. Um, are legitimately vying for UCI World Cup podiums and world champ wins and all that sort of stuff. And even they, you know, where the margins are, you know, seconds, milliseconds, even those riders at this point are saying, yeah, I'm, I'm going to put a dropper post on right. my bike. Well, and, you know, here's here's the thing. to to Just to look at the other side of it, I have ridden trails where I'm like, you know, I, I wouldn't need a dropper post here, mm-hmm. but those trails are flat. You're, mm-hmm. You don't have any up or down stuff. Yeah. You, corners, you can deal with them. They're, yeah. they're fairly easy. You know, if I were racing pure XC, I'm sure there's some courses where I'm like, I don't need a dropper post. Yeah. However, what I will tell that rider is if you want to develop your skills, either have another bike with a dropper post or put a dropper post on when you ride. Like if you live in Denver, Colorado, when you ride Apex, when you ride Dakota Ridge, when you ride Three Sisters, that's the only way you're really going to develop these skills. Yeah. Because it is a super different skill set, right? And I mean, it, descending with your seat up versus descending. Yeah, like, the, I think that I think that hangs and, people and the, up a lot. The thing is, if you you're not going to develop, if you learn how to put it this way, if you take an average downhill rider and you stick them on a straight cross country bike, they're still going to rip it down the trail. Yeah. If you take a a cross country a top cross country rider, but it's never really ridden much downhill, you stick them on a downhill bike. They're with very very rare exception, they're going to be pretty slow and pretty scared because they haven't developed those descending right. skills. Their brain's not processing; they're mm. not seeing the lines. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, y- yeah. I mean, there's a reason for all this. <laughs> there's a reason dropper posts. No, around, I, I, you know? and, and and I agree with you, but I mean, again, you, we have two very similar. Like our clients are very similar groups of people. Yeah. Um, and they're, I mean, you see the resistance too. And that's it's, why I wanted to kind of like bring it up. It's just like, I don't even know. What, it's the worst starting, thing I can do as a, as a guy selling a bike is tell a customer, well, you're wrong. And, and, right. and, and I'm right. Like you, you can't, like, I'm not in a position to do that, 
but you are because you're a coach. That's what people are paying you for. You know, with the last couple of years with coaching, um, it's starting to be rare when someone shows up without a drop mm. post where five years ago, um, it would be the other way around, especially once you get back East. And when you, when someone is there without a drop or post, so like, I know, I, I know that I should, and I'm going to, I'm going to get a new bike. I want to yeah. take the camp first, right? you know, so you don't have to twist many arms anymore, but, um, they're still out there. Yeah, for sure. So you know? by pinning it, basically if Roger and my uncle Derek don't have dropper posts yeah. on their bikes <laughs> by the next time we ride with them, which yeah. for me is Sunday with Derek. Yeah. Get a damn dropper post. Well, and I, yeah, I think like, the thing is, is like, you know, Roger's, a, you know, a good descender. Derek's a good descender. It's like, how much better could you be? Well, well they, they do the whole, like, I'm steering the bike back there. But it's also because that's just what you've always had to do. Like, yeah. grandma's recipe for the best ham you've ever had is to cut the thing in half and use two separate pans. Because she never owned a pan big enough for just the ham <laughs> by itself, well, right? Like, know, And so you make things happen and work. But it's not the best way. Well, and they they haven't felt the need for it yet. So yeah. if you ride on trails where you, there's not a huge need, you could definitely. Yeah. Or if you get either one of those guys out on some gnarly stuff here mm-hmm. and have them ride with a decent group where they're like, you know, I'm fitter than these guys, but they're killing me in the sense, and I'm almost dying. And then get them on a bike with the dropper post, get that seat out of the way, and Conversation's what, done. Yeah, once they jump yeah. back on their, their bike, they're like, I'm sold. Yeah. That's what really does it. When people feel that benefit, they're like, I can't believe I, I, I held out so long. I gen- that's for me. And I know you say you can't tell this to your customers, but dude, a lot of the guys coming in this shop are like, you're the guru. So I'd just be like, listen, I'm not even going to sell you this bike without a dropper, period. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Sorry. Matter of fact, I'm going to pay for it because right. you have to have it. Well, and, and you know, we're, we're in a good position um, that... Just like, well, it comes with it anyway. Ride it. If you don't like it, we'll, right. we'll yank it off. But I will say one big thing that I do see is sometimes people, um, they're, they're like, I barely use this thing because the lever's not in the right spot. Yeah. They have to move their hand to yeah. get to it. So make sure no, you know, all your controls yeah, are dialed in. Yeah, you got to get those ergonomics and, yeah. dialed in. So tip one was good. Let's, get low. Let's, let's get, get low. low. You can't get low without a dropper post. Period. Done yeah. moving. moving. So on. next tip. Okay, next tip. You're, you're going to go where you look. So look where you want to go. All right. What most people are doing, they're micromanaging the trail and they look at obstacles. They're, I don't want to hit that. I don't want to hit that. I don't want to hit that. We want to macromanage the trail. And there's a lot to this. But if I'm looking far enough ahead, which is really like my next line of sight, okay, you want to see that's where I need to end up. Then you can come back and take care of the details. But you should be looking at so, focusing on solutions and not on the obstacles. There's two rocks. You want to go between the rocks. That's where you're looking. Um, and you want to do this. What I like to say is you should be processing the trail at least a second and a half ahead of where you're at. Hopefully two, hopefully three. But you start getting inside of that, your brain just doesn't work well enough. You know, There's all kinds of science behind how long it actually takes us to see something, process, make a decision, trip the proper uh, motor responses. Look where you want to go and make your decisions at least a second and a half ahead of where you're at in the trail. I'm so glad you put that as tip two because I did. I shared with someone else today who's taken one of your camps that you were going to be on the podcast, and he his only response he said two words. So I was like, oh yeah, no, Andy's going to be on here, and it's pretty cool. We're going to probably talk about some tips for the rec rider, you know. And he just goes four cones, yeah. four cones, and that was all he had said. Yeah. In like, reference to one of your camps, I had no. I was like, yeah, four cones, bro. <laughs> I uh, love that band. Um, this girl Stephanie in Phoenix, she she started a hashtag fourth cone thing. Nice. Yeah. So fourth fourth cone, we do this little drill with vision. It's uh, we use four cones. And it's it. 
It's real simple, but it simulates very well what happens on the trail. And we spend, you know, a bunch of time on vi- I, I used to say arguably the most important thing on the bike is vision, but not it's the most important thing. I don't care what you're doing. If you're not reading the trail properly, you're not putting the bike in the right spot. You, you know, you don't have enough time to do what you need to do. Um, well, it's, you're in it's trouble. Re, you know, the whole being reactive versus pro, proactive. Right. right? You, you just get end up putting out fires. You're doing damage yeah. control. Yeah. You know, once you, you know, it's once, like kind of quicksand, like you make one bad move or yeah. one bad and then it just it escalates. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're off the trail with a concussion. Yeah, downward spell or <laughs> crappiness, you know. And I feel like people can under, even so I, I do more of the XC racing world than downhill. And some of the downhill tracks, I love it. I do it every year. Um, because it hones my skills a lot more, but some of them are terrifying to me. Um, but even like an XC race guy will know, man, I got to go ride this course before I race this course. I can't race it well unless I ride it. And all of us have done races blind before, or even just ridden trails with buddies blind. You've never been on this trail before. And it just is a, a, a factor of, I don't even know how, but a 10, how much more difficult it is. And you're saying vision just in even chunks of the trail is the exact same concept, right? Like, if you've seen it ahead of time, you're going to be able to ride it almost intuitively, right? To a, to a point. Like if, I, if I'm yeah. looking down the trail, I've kind of assessed what that is, and then I can let those native right. responses kind well, of happen. And, and, you know, yeah, one of the things with the fourth, the fourth cone idea is, you know, that's our, that's our line of sight. We, I call it macro vision. Okay, most people micromanage the trail. We want to macro manage the trail. So once I can see way down the trail, I know that's where I need to end up. And that tells me, is the trail bending right or left? Is it, is it going to be rocky? Is it going to be steep? I don't know all the details yet, but that just took care of a huge chunk of my problem. That is, what do I do with my momentum? All right, so that helps me out a ton. So whether you're riding a trail blind or whether you've tra- ridden the trail a million times, you're still going to go where your, where your eyes take you, so you still have to spot that stuff. You look, you, you look at like, a, like snowboarding or skiing like in a half pipe. Super consistent surface going down, going down the slope, going down the, the pipe, but you're still spotting your landing. You know, if you don't see where you're, you know, the difference between a couple inches might be a, a huge. Oh, huge I've seen deal. the videos. It's a big deal. So, a, so we still. It's have like to, a backboard and a helicopter. Yeah, big deal. yeah. So you know, we still have to, no matter blind or you know, you still have to spot that that trail. And on on uh, on the uh, you know cross country and endurance, I have a ton of people that come to me because that's their gig. You know, they're like. But they're like, I know I'm doing stuff wrong on on the descents or even the cornering or whatever. And you know, when once it comes to racing, you're not going to get big chunks out of anyone that you're competitive with anywhere. You're, I call it death by paper cuts. You're going to yeah, get a wheel sure. length here. You're going to get a bike link there. You're going to get a couple more bike links. And if you're if you're doing the the skill stuff correctly, you're also saving a bunch of energy. If you're even climbing, if you it's not about if you're already a good rider, it's not about you're not going to make the top or you are going to make the top. It's are you are you going the same speed, but you're saving five percent, seven percent? Yeah, you know, we I, talked about that earlier uh, today. No, I I love that. Just that's where uh, one of my advantages is. I you've ridden, we've ridden together before after a camp, and unfortunately, I didn't get to have you ride behind me and fix all my issues because you were so far down the damn trail. He was he, he was so far ahead of me on going up the trail. Yeah, on the so. climb. No, yeah, <laughs> so that was a trade off, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, where'd those guys go? You know. But then on the down, I was like, I don't even know where he is, and I would have loved to see your line. And um, anyway, uh, when it comes to the to the XC stuff, you're you're absolutely spot on. Where it's just these tiny little pieces, and I think that when I fortunately I have developed some more downhill skills, and I think a lot of it my my brother and I race against. And when we get to the bottom of a nasty descent. 
I'm fully recovered. Like my heart rate's at 58%. I'm like, this is couch time. And now let's put it into the climb. Whereas they're still staying pinned. 80% of guys yeah, didn't I, recover. And even worse. I watched know? the, I follow, like, so I, I strive a stalk all of my like competitors, yeah. you know? And so I'll go and look and I see their average heart rates are just nuked. And they're on track. I'm like, are you, our average speed was basically the same. And you're nuked the entire time. Like, how is this? Like, where do I need to get better, you know? But I just feel like a lot of XC guys probably are just so pinned out on the downhill. You know, a huge thing, you know, that, that I have people focus on, especially the higher level, breathing. You know, finding your breathing points. Like, knowing, you know, especially like an, uh, especially downhill, but even like an enduro stage, it might be, you know, 10 minutes long, 15 minutes long. You know, know where you're going to grab some breaths. You know, you, you have to be relaxed enough that you can, you know, recover and try, try to do what you can do. Yeah, if you're just maxed the whole time, you know, you're not just, I mean, you're going to burn up. You know, yeah. I mean, you you only have so much energy. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's just th- those little tiny things. You know, I, and if you, if you look at again like an enduro stage, ten minutes long, all right, and we're talking we're talking death by paper cuts, a bike length here, wheel length there. What you make, you know, you don't make a mistake. Your buddy does. Now two three bike lengths. At the end of that stage, it's real easy for that to be thirty seconds. And if I get beat by thirty seconds, I got my ass kicked. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and when you start looking at like the cross country endurance racers descending that turns into, you know, 40 seconds, a minute, you know, on some long 20, even though they're not as technical, but like a big, long fire, you know, Jeep road descent type thing. Or even like, you know, you know let's, let's reference Leadville. So if, if I descend power line on the far right, right, it's like everyone goes on the left and there's like these nasty ruts and on the right, they're kind of like, I guess I could ride that if I was kind of gangster or just completely lawless. I fall into the second category. Uh, but by riding it, I'm going to pass 83 people. Like, no bullshit, 83 people on Pauline. You could effectively pass, which means you're not behind them on the next stretch of single track. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's really what it is. Like, I, for so long, I raced and I would try so hard on the single track, the up and the down, and be like, man, I'm crushing it. You know, and then I get to a Jeep road and I would just get hammered. And yeah. I'm like, 15 people pass me. Well, now I'm behind them again. So the XC racer needs to pay attention to descending, yeah. which is why, like I said, Going to the going downhill or getting a coach and doing that stuff, dude, you change know, the game. Just take it a little bit, a little bit. I feel like I'm plugging myself here, but yeah, whatever. I no, will. I mean that's that, that's <laughs> kind of the point. So you know, and we're, and we're talking racing, and we're talking about like, no, no, no like, the cheap guys listening to this are going to take these five tips, and they're never you'll gonna never call see you. them again. There's plenty of dude. They're going to get plenty out of this, so right. it's not a pure plug. Um, All right, but so, maybe the guy from Australia will oh, yeah. like reach out. Or Aussie you know, friend. We're yeah. talking about you know like the training like. Average Joes, you know, coaching average Joes and getting just as much out of it. And and, we're, and right now we're talking about racing. Well, the other day is kind of rainy day. Um, I'm out at Apex. I'm like, cool. Apex is a good trail. It handles rain, you know, well. And it's not like, you know, totally dumping. It's just a little damp. It's super misty. And I'm getting up. I'm getting up to the top of the gut. And I hear this, woo! And I hear these bikes kind of, you know, and I, I look up. And I wish I, you couldn't have shot it any better. Because it's like <laughs> super foggy and super misty. And there's here comes this dude, and there's just like a little water bar, and he just blasts, like blasts out to flat. Two dudes right behind him, you know, younger, probably twenty, you know, late twenties, and they're mocking, like they're moving. Yeah. And you know the you just I could barely see them. They come out, just the sound of the bikes and everything yeah. you can tell. And there's, then there's one dude right behind him, and you can hear the dude. The dude gives a whoop, and then the other guys are like yelling something back and forth. And I'm climbing, you know, but I'm I get off the trail, and the first guy's like, hey, and I'm like, no, go, dude, get it, get it. And they come flying by, and then there's another dude right behind him, and he's like, you know, making motorcycle noise, like, rah, 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 and they're just gone, you know? And I'm like, 
that's the shit that I like doing right there. Yeah. And they're high level riders. It's a rainy day. There's nobody out there, and they're just mocking this trail. They're all very good. It's a it's a it's a tough trail, and um, you know, I always thought like when I back in the day when I was done racing, well, I'm gonna go do something else. But I love riding more now, even though I really don't race anymore. And riding hard, and it's all it's all the same stuff. So for the dude that's out there, like, well, I don't really race, or I don't. The more you can, the the more skill set you have, the more it just opens things up. The more fun you're going to have, the more you can. If I want to go do a race, cool. If I want to race across country, if I want to go do lifts, if I want to go to some crazy trail in New Zealand, you know, with my buddies, I can probably handle it. I'll, so. but I'll disagree that the guy. <laughs> no, I'll disagree that Shot. the guy isn't racing. Because listen, unless you ride by yourself, whether or not you're speaking yeah. about it, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're well, racing. Like we did a bro ride last night. Yeah. Okay, if there's two guys. It's a race. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Come on now. Like, yeah. We did a bro ride last night. There were six of us out. Right. Yeah. Good times. And uh, uh, the takeaway for at least one of the not part of our group, another guy on the trail was those damn base camp guys. I think that was. <laughs> I think I got good. We we all. I think we all did. Anybody that was representing the uh, the shop with the jersey rode responsibly. I was wow. representing a shop out of Moab, so because I just wore their jersey, so I <laughs> that guy was frustrated. But nonetheless, like if you're out, if you ride with buddies, you, listen, you really are racing, and if you could hone a couple of things here and there that just give you that bit of an edge, it feels really good to be the first one down. You know what I mean? And you're like, dude, did 100%. you see me do that? Right? So, yeah. um, so well, and even just from a safety standpoint, like who doesn't need coaching? Like, um. If you're riding totally below your, you're already a high level rider and you're riding totally below your limits, okay. But if you're out there on dirt and you're just and you're scaring yourself, even if you're not trying to go fast, man, you're gonna get hurt. Like, yeah. be careful, you know. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, goddamn mountain bikers, <laughs> dude, all the time. Um, well, and I think it's in like so many people, and you and I. Like you and I are not covering any new ground today. We'll just say right, that. Right. Um, but one thing that you and I have talked about a lot is, you know, people don't take the the thought of a mountain bike coach seriously. Like they'll hire a golf coach and a tennis coach and a ski coach, but everybody's got this kind of jacked up. I've been riding a bike since I was five. Yeah, I'm fine. I will say again, especially in the last few years, that's it's changing. changing but I, I mean, still realize this is difficult, and there's a high price to pay yeah. if you screw it up. Yeah. So. And it, but I mean, it again, I I still see a lot of resistance, just you know, the handful of people I'll talk to, and not so much in the well, I mean, what's a what's a mountain bike coach cost? And you tell them, and they're like, yeah, well, I mean, golf coach costs way more than that, right? Have you ever sat at the dinner table when you were a little kid and your mom and your dad were talking about how to punish you? Because of some dumb shit you had done, and you're sitting there, and you're like, I'm right here. I feel like that right now. Like, <laughs> Harley's like, you know, I talk to these guys, and they're kind of like, they're like, how much it costs? And they're like, no, I got it. I'll figure it out. And so, so we're going to move on to tip three. Thanks, Harley. <laughs> it was not referencing you at all. Yeah, but a little, maybe, kind of, sort of, in the back of your mind. A little bit, oh, you think you're fast, huh? You don't know shit. All right, tip three. <laughs> so we got we had keeping your weight back, getting down, get not low. Bad. Not, not bad, not bad. Weight, keeping your weight down. Get low, yep. Get low, Center over the bottom, bottom bracket. bracket. Yep. Yep. Let it bike pivot. We talked about vision. Um, looking down, you know, where you want to end up. Okay, not what you're looking at the obstacle wise. Um, so we want to do something coach or we want to do something pure mountain biking stuff. Pure mountain. Let's, All right. let's yeah, yeah, let's branch out a little bit. Yeah, let's bit. go go a little different. Um, so you get it, you're getting into riding, you're digging it, you're listening to this podcast, 
you've read some of my crap online. You're like, okay, cool. I need to learn how to do this before I kill myself. All right, cool. We got you there. All right. Uh, how about just just enjoying being on the bike? Uh, one thing that I, one thing I love about not one thing. I, what I love about mountain bike is the variety. You know, it's like you can you can go out and it can be super social, riding with a big group, having fun. You can go ride with a bunch of rippers that you're gonna ride some gnarly stuff. You can go out and just by yourself start pedaling, thinking about something, listening to music, kicking stuff. You know, you can downhill, you can dirt jump, you can ride cross country. So many different things that you can do. Um, so experience all that, play around with it, um, and actually, I guess that's kind of a tip in itself. But travel, you go places. Use your mountain bike as an excuse to get out and go ride some cool places, eat some cool food. You know, if you can get some friends, buddies, you know, spouse, you know, whatever, that's rad. I mean, the biking is obviously a, a, a super cool thing, but what mountain biking has taken me to and the experiences I've had because of mountain biking I'm, is incredible. Okay. That's my life. I mean... I'm willing to say I've lived a pretty uh, pretty good life. I'm just um, I'm waiting for the book to come out in 2021. <laughs> Dude. And, it, and, and so much of it, I mean, the last 25 um, years has been basically because of the mountain bike. And yeah, I'm yeah. working professionally in this world, but even if I wasn't, it would still be so much centered around that. So. Right. Well, you, and I think that's a good kind of like snap back to some sort of reality for... 90% of mm -hmm. people who ride bikes like Justin and I and this podcast is has gotten um pretty racing centric and I'm willing to bet that that can potentially be a turnoff to a lot of people as you said you know the people who are ah you know I don't race I'm not going to race you know what do I care about how these guys training's going you know and so I I, I think that tip is super important because yeah, like we don't so much of what Justin and I do and the people that we surround ourselves by do it it's you know it's like what's the quality of the mileage? How fast did I go? How yeah. high did I climb? How did it fit into my plan for How the week? How much airtime? That was my airtime today. Yeah. Um so I think, you know, yeah, I mean I I I say it, it, it I I'm serious about having fun and it's fun being serious about it. You know, and it, whether that's racing or whether, and like we said, racing could be signing up and dropping your money on a race, or it's out there with that group of dudes that you know, and you're, where do I fit in with these guys? And it's even with yourself. It's like, yeah. even no Strava, nothing. You're yeah. like, dude, I rode that pretty well today, or I rode like shit today, or, you know, but the whole thing is, there's so much that goes on with this sport and experience it all, man. I mean, I, I spent so much of my life racing and I, I miss it and I still will do some races, but I still ride super hard, and it's it's opened up so many things for me. You know, you, you said the word travel, so I'm gonna I, just as a fun aside. Uh, it's too it's too impossible to pick one, but just when when I say the word traveling with your mountain bike, that trail was awesome. What's the trail that jumped into your head? <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. I don't know. Like it doesn't have you to know? be the one. You don't have to. But like just um, when I say that, okay. Like because when when you if you were to ask me that question, I rode once at uh, in in Forest Park in Portland. Mm -hmm. And it's like their city park. It's the second biggest city park in the US actually. It's massive. But I rented a bike. It was rainy and muddy and the trails weren't hard. I have rode half the time on like a Jeep road, but I was covered in mud shit, rolled into town and got a latte at Barista. And I was like, this is the best mountain biking day of my life. Yeah. Right? I had nothing to do with the trail. So like, give me the moment, the place. The First thing that pops up and I'm thinking like traveling, I'm trying to think like traveling not for work stuff um, 
is like Laguna Beach, California. Awesome trails. Um, and it's wintertime here and it's summertime there. And you're on the beach and you just you you rip those trails. And I mean, there's all kinds of stuff around there. And you eat some good food and you're hanging out on the beach and you spend a few days doing that and you come back to reality. Uh, and then let's go on the other on the other side of the country, Asheville, North Carolina. Um, you know, those trails there. You know, they're, it's wet, it's green, it's, you know, it's muddy. Um, but again, it's, it's, it's nice weather where it's snowing here. And I love playing in the snow. But you get there and you have a few days of just ripping and the, the town's cool. And uh, yeah, you know, I mean, and just all kinds of little places where Madison, Wisconsin, like uh, a couple, two summers ago, uh, my girlfriend and I did a trip. So I grew up in, in Southeast Michigan. We went up through the UP and down to Minnesota, um, Midwest, you know, but there's like Copper Harbor, Marquette, um, and just a awesome, you know, van living, um, just, you know, eating good food, no plan, just going, you know, for two weeks. Um, just a, not it. the greatest ride in, in, the, in the world, but just moving to trail to trail to trail and food to food to food. That is, it is so funny that, you said it that way. All those places you pointed out are just like polar opposites of yeah. Colorado riding, right? Yeah. And so if we were talking to somebody who lived in Nashville, they'd be like, oh, dude, Colorado. I mean, it's a... and I felt that way because Harley and I, we had just gone to Bentonville. And mm-hmm. for those that haven't listened to the episode, check out a couple of episodes back. We were in Bentonville. And when I was there, I was like, oh, this is really cool. And since I've been back and now our trails are all dry here and you're riding on like rocked out shale and I was in like like Buffalo Creek last week, and I heard a guy talking about. He's like, "Ah, oh, you know, I lost it in the kitty litter," and I'm like, "Dude, you're totally right. This whole place is just a litter box, yeah. right?" So I've spent a lot of time on rock, and I'm like, "Man, Bentonville was way cooler than I even thought." Yeah. Because wow, it wasn't all the rock, you know. So it's cool you brought up Laguna Beach, Asheville, up in Madison, like places that are so different. You know, I'm thinking about it was, it was either Marquette or Copper Harbor. You know, we're on it's super perfect grade. You know, you're it's nothing super hard, but you're just ripping through and you're carrying some good speed. And the the it was just this black dirt with these huge ferns. And you know, you're in this this hardwood kind of more alpine. It's kind of alpine up there, I guess, but shaded and. The ground, it was like you were riding on carpet. Like you couldn't hear a, a sound. It was perfect traction. Like, you know, and yeah, the dirt, the quality. You start nerding out about stuff like that. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you're just like, it's, it was like a powder day, you know, on a snowboard. You're just like, this is the shit. This is what it's all about, you know? And what's, yeah. a, uh, what's a place in the US that has phenomenal mountain biking that people wouldn't expect? People wouldn't expect. Like, like, I would expect there's good mountain biking in North Carolina. I wouldn't, yeah. I'm not surprised to hear there's good mountain biking in Marquette, Michigan. Like, where have you been? Austin, Texas has got some pretty good stuff. Uh, you got to drive around a little bit. But... What did you ride down? Because I was down. I've been. I went there last spring, and I did the Colorado State Park, which is, is weird as named that, but it's at the Colorado River. And if you looked at it, it was just dead, like deserty looking, mm-hmm. just trash, right? But then you got into all these ravines because it was just almost all these canyons, and you're riding up and down. I'm like, this is unreal. I mean, Texas has some pretty cool terrain. Um, So I've always done my camp at uh, uh, Walnut Creek uh, Metropolitan Park, which isn't great trails, but it's great for for what we need to do. Um, Man, I'm kind of always bad with these trail names, but Flat Creek Crossing had some really cool stuff. There's a 
is it Zilker, which is right in town that had some super like in kind of in Austin or a little bit north Austin. There's there's about three four really cool trails, and then you start driving out. Um, uh, let's see, there's like Brushy, there's uh, um, what is it, Bent Pace Bend or something like that. Um, but they're all pretty. There's, there's some good elevation. That's cool. And, you know, and they've got a few enduro races out there. They've got you know, again, it's not. I'm not gonna move there for mountain biking, no. but. You I know, feel like cool that's the any time I ride somewhere new, I feel like I get that vibe like now this you, is dope. I'm not leaving Colorado, but right. this is cool. Now yeah. they have uh Spider Mountain there, which I haven't ridden, but it's I've heard access. yeah. So when we were in Bentonville, um a lot of people who ride Bentonville come up from Texas. Mm-hmm. Um and there were some guys who were who were mentioning uh Spider Mountain. Yeah. And you know, it's a I mean, whatever. Yeah. The two I, and a half right. minute run. I'll tell you what I'll take the, it. One of the trips that um, yeah, I was thinking about taking is from here, uh, Polidoro Canyon. If you oh my that. gosh. It's so we, on our Austin trip, we were stupid. We drove there, which, yeah. well, that's, but you I'm get thinking. to drive there cause you have your house with you. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> and we were planning to do that on the way down, but it was, but I was dark when we passed by mm-hmm. and we we're going to do it on the way back, but it's going to be dark when we passed by, yeah. which is why we did this other one. But it is like, we looked at all the images yeah. of it. It is beautiful. No, like they like stop there, do you camp, do a ride. Get to Austin, screw around in Austin, do a few rides, ride Spider Mountain, yeah. stop on the way back. Like, yeah. you know, you you're could, a single dude too, right? Didn't yeah, you say that? So yeah. screwing around in Austin is a twofold situation. <laughs> <laughs> <that> Hopefully, not <laughs> working, right? Uh, anyone from Austin that's listening, uh, we're th- we just threw the hook effectively. <laughs> so travel, dude. Travel with your bike. Enjoy the bike, right? Like, yeah. it's yeah, you do know, it, do um, it all. You know, and and that's something that Harley and I need to remember. Yeah. I think more and more. I mean, we just, we left the gym before we came here. We were doing a workout together, and you know we were even doing exercises, drilled all around being better at the pedal. And you just forget sometimes, like, no, like maybe even just put flat pedals on your bike for a second and just go and and have fun with this. So travel, I love that as a tip, like enjoying the bike as yeah. a tip. Well, I I think it, there's there's room for both, and I, and I I do believe, like I can enjoy all this a lot now uh, without racing. Because I raced for so long. Right. If I didn't do that first, I would have to be, even though, you know, no spring chicken anymore, I would have to experience that just because of my competitive nature. Yeah. So there's there's definitely a, a and one of my other tips, I, I actually, when you told me, <laughs> well, let's, let's throw out tip number four now. Four, yeah, yeah, let's, let's go. go. Let's, let's go. do it. If you're into riding, you're into riding hard, and even, you know, ah, I'm not going to race, race at least twice. The first time you race, you're just going to be figuring it out and you don't know the flow of the day. You don't, and you're going to maybe even did okay. You're like, but man, next time you're spending so much energy just in trying to figure out how this whole thing works. So the next time that's going to be your actual race. Yeah. And then figure out if you like racing or not. And you will, I don't care how hard you ride, you're never going to ride as hard as you do. In a no, race. you don't no. race no. it. What, what is it? The werewolf. Yeah. You, you, you go werewolf. You, you, you know, well, and that's, what you talked about, you raced in the past, and the reason that you can enjoy the riding now is because of that. The truth is, you never really know how good you are until you're forced to find out how good you right. are. So I was out in, like I said, I was, I was riding last weekend, and we were race training because I got my first 50-mile single-speed race this weekend. And so we was our last day of race training. And when I say race training, anytime we say that on the podcast, that means that we were uh, as Colin would say, full weasel squeezing means we are in full spandex, right? So <laughs> if you're race training, you're wearing spandex head to toe. And I came up out of Nice Kitty, that climb out there. And when we got to the top of it, there was this guy and he was kicked back 
like leaning against the uh, at the top of Nice Kitty, there are all these fallen trees, and people sit on them, have a snack, have water, wait for your buddies to you know link back up. And this guy was up there by himself, and he's kicked back, and he's laying against the log like this. Just I'm gonna move from the microphone. He's just like, yeah, chilling. Like when I passed him, I thought to myself, I have done my entire life wrong because this guy has got it figured out, right? And he should have just stayed like that because I held him in such high regard. And then he opened his mouth. And this is where he lost me because he had seen I came up on a single speed. And he looked over and he goes, man, you came up on a single speed. And I was like, yeah, you know. And he's like, oh, I would never do nice kid. I would never do that climb on a single speed. And I, I was like, really? And he goes, yeah, man, there's, there's just no way. I, I would never want to work that hard. And I looked at him and I said, you know. Fair enough, but I'm going to go home from here and probably be a relatively mediocre husband and a decent <laughs> friend and like an okay son. My mom was in town, you know. Um, but on that climb, I just had to figure out what I really had in yeah. me. And it's so rare for me to do that, yeah. that I relish those moments. Yeah. And then again, he repeated, he's like, yeah, I just, I don't even like climbing Ice Kitty, period. I would just never work that hard. And right then, I wish he would have just like, like vaporized. Yeah. Yeah. Like he didn't need to be like in the in the world anymore because I felt like that is just so counter to, and Harley and I talk about this all the time, that it's not about racing, but we do love this sport because it does challenge you to evolve and grow. And, oh, yeah. and like you said, like by just signing up for a race, you're forced to evolve and grow a little bit. Maybe you'll never be a racer, but you can kind of know what you're capable of. Right. Well, if you're going to race and you're going to really put it on the line and see what's out there, you know, you're you're not only gonna go in the deep water, you're gonna drown. You're gonna go. I mean, yeah, you 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 hurt a little bit in training, and you hurt really hard, and you're like, I went really hard today, but not like you're going to do. And and that's one of, that's one of the reasons I don't really do too. I don't race now because I know what it takes. And I, dude, I don't really feel like going there. <laughs> you know, I've done it. Right, which you know, is fair because like, you've done it. Yeah, you know I, what I, it is. I don't. I mean, and to and for people, well, just sign up and just you know who cares. I know if, if I sign up, I'm going to at least care a little bit and then I'm going to care more and then I'm going to have to be training a little bit. That's just the way it's going to work. Mm -hmm. Otherwise I'm not racing. Otherwise I'm going for an expensive ride, yeah. you know? Um, so yeah, racing and yeah, that's why I enjoy riding so much now because I can be like, when you come up that trail, I'm like, I know what that guy feels like, mm -hmm. and this feels really good sitting here. Right <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and granted, he, he might have felt that way. He worked, this guy, I found out then he works at a different shop, and um, just because he said he doesn't like to try hard, I'm never going to even go to that shop, even if I'm flatted and need just a tube. But, uh, ouch. Well, he's just, <laughs> right? I mean, I, I just felt yeah. like it's a hard, yeah. hard missed point on his yeah, end. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that, and I perpetuating that message, I think, to beginner riders. You know, whether it be average Joe's taking your clinic or just guys that you meet out on the trail and you're kind of joshing with at the top of a climb, you know, it is it is much more rewarding when you've put it into it. When you've yeah. pinned it a little bit, it just tastes that much sweeter. Uh, yeah. The air around you, the the noise of a you know, I, I hate my buddies that wear earphones on group rides. Yeah. If they're <clears> if you're <throat> riding with anybody and you're wearing headphones, I I why are you meeting me then? Right, right, right. Right, and like, are you so fueled by the <laughs> tunes that you have? Like, do you have to have Rage Against the Machine screaming in your ear in order for you to actually descend well? Or would it be maybe better for you to, even though I'm not a smell the roses kind of guy, as Harley succinctly stated <laughs> on social media, the noise of a bird's wings, like the when it touches its body and yeah. grabs air and it goes to the next one, like when you hear that at the top of a hard climb, you can sit there and I'm not. Uh, terribly religious man 
But that shit is real. Yeah. 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 And the well, downhill's way better after that. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you'll see you'll see that stuff. You'll experience that stuff riding if you you know, if you eat you open up to it. You know, and also like back in the racing days, like, you know, you'd go out to some Norbert National somewhere and that you know, back then like practice started on a Wednesday and you 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 know and and you and it's like with I was talking to this guy, one of the guys in my camp who's a crazy he's done all kinds of crazy stuff and um, stuff where he's like, I don't know, you know, he wasn't sure he's going to make it back from like, you know, mountaineering and all this sort of thing. And you go through that and you do live through the weekend and you get back here and you, you walk out in the street on Monday and you're like, man, the grass is a little greener, <laughs> you know, the coffee tastes a little better, you know. I mean, you know, you appreciate all those just, you know, just little things that when you're when you're out there, you you don't have them you know yeah. you're you're focused on something else you know you're putting yourself in a, in a in a weird spot and it's gonna hurt real bad and then those little creature comforts are real nice yeah you know and then you lose it after a while you start you're what am i you know you're you're worried about this stupid thing or whatever where for the first couple of days when you get back you're like whatever nothing could touch me man like you know better than literally every person i'll see today <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, all right so we got we got somebody with pen and paper here i'm sure listening to us and saying okay tip one all right, is get low, stand over the bottom bracket, okay? Get low. If you think you're low, you're not, get lower, okay? Roger and Derek have bought dropper posts now. Yep, up, yep. Right? Basecampcycle.com. And uh, so we said that, right? Tip number two was vision, looking down mm-hmm. the way. Yep. All right, tip number three, use your bike for enjoyment. Take, Let it take you places. Travel, see something new, right? And yeah. it, that could even be traveling in your own town. Like, no matter where you live, if you're listening to this, I guarantee there's a trail you've never ridden before because you either thought like, oh, that trail's beneath me or it's above me or it's too far from me or whatever. Travel, even in your own town. All right, number four, just got done. Race, two races. Race, two races. Minimum. If you're minimum, rider, minimum. Yeah. minimum, two if, races. Just if, to really see. if you think about it. If, yeah. if you're like, man, should I do a race? Race at least twice. Yeah. Okay, last tip. Last Guys listening tip. saying, hey, I want to hear like whatever you say, I'm going to go use this today, and it's going to make I, – I felt, wow, that was awesome. All right, all right. Um, one of the biggest things that's overlooked in riding – this is going to be a tough one, but I'll, I'll, overlooked in riding um, that's so important is, is braking, okay? And most riders out there are going to just grab both brakes and, 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 and slow down. They're either on both brakes slowing down or they're off both brakes accelerating once they're going downhill. Um, and you, you've been told you can't break in the corners, you, you can't break in the rocks, and all that. Um, 70 percent, you know, seventy to one hundred percent of your of your stopping power, depending on what's going on, is coming from the front wheel of your bike. And this is the same in cars or motorcycles on pavement. If you 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 don't need up to seventy percent, you need thirty or less, then you probably don't need your front brake, and only use rear brake. Okay. Too many people are grabbing front brake when they don't need to. Now on the other end of that is you have beginner riders who don't use enough. They're scared of the front. You, you can't slow the bike down well. Just hammering if, that you, rear brake. Yeah, if you don't use a front brake, you can't slow the bike yeah. down well. And, and if you can't slow the bike down well, you can't ride a lot I mean, of different stuff. I mean, we see it so, I mean, you know, one of the most common things that we keep on hand for repairs in the service department is just rotors and brake pads because yeah. we have People long, steep, dude, yeah. just scorched. Yeah. Um, but but on the other, once you get past, if you are using your front brake, a, you're probably not using it quite correctly. We can sort that out for you. <laughs> um, but most people are using that front brake when they shouldn't be also. If, um, I, the, and the most simple way that I can put it is when you are braking, 
two, one, zero. Both brakes to slow you down, and then you should there should be a lot of time where you're just using that rear brake to control your momentum a little bit. So you're not always accelerating, slowing down, accelerating, slowing down. You are just kind of staying where you want to be. It's much smoother. It's much more controlled. That rear, we, we've got two throttles when we're on the bike. When we're pedaling, when we start going downhill, we're pedaling, we're one, all right? That, we, we're not pedaling, that throttle's off. But gravity is always on. And we don't always want to floor that thing. You know, people say, well, just get off the brake. Just no brake it. Uh, that right away, I know you don't know what you're talking about. Because <laughs> the best the best riders out, everybody's controlling their momentum. The best riders out there are just controlling their momentum five better. miles yeah. faster than everybody yeah. else. They're just doing it better. So there's a lot of time where you should just be dragging a little bit of rear brake. And you don't want to slow down. You don't want to stop. You just don't want to go any faster. You need to control that momentum. Well, Two, one, zero. And when you, when you hear high-level riders talk about how they get down a hill, they talk the... The phrase that kept coming up for me that I heard that was kind of like, I need to think about this more was momentum path, right? Yeah. Like, how am I going to link this section to that section to that about section? That. Yeah. And if you can link it in a smart way, then to your point, you're just managing speed rather than slowing down. Exactly. It's momentum management. Yeah. You know, you have, you have to be patient. You have to go slow to go fast sometimes. Yeah. You know? Well, that's that. What is it? Slow is smooth and smooth is fast yeah, thing. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's there's a hundred of them, right? Right. But they're all true. Yeah. And you hear, oh, just no break that. Okay. Let's see how that works. Yeah, like, for yeah, yeah, yeah. You might be fast for a corner or two, but then yeah. you're going to be out in the giggle weeds and I'm going to go, I'm going to pass you, you know? <laughs> giggle <laughs> weeds. <laughs> Using it, stolen, written it down. Uh, it's, I'm so glad you used braking as the last one because that's, I, so I just had uh, brake pads changed out on the Maguras that I have on my single speed. And I, I use that, I've been using that bike since. October, like middle since, October. Yeah, since Laruda. It got in middle October, went to Moab for three days, and then literally packed it up and went to Laruda. So I've been using it since mid-October, and we just swapped out pads. And uh, my rears, now granted, it's just like a, a two-piston rear the brake. The next trail brake. Yeah. On the rear. And the rear pads all the way through them. I'm, I'm through them. So I, it's like 700 miles. So I'm through the rear pads. But the front, now granted, the brake is a four-piston up front, so it's yeah. kind of a baller brake. But Mo was like, you have 85% of your brake pad left. So I have almost all of the front brake pad left. And yeah. no, like the rears were. They were, like, down, they were down to the metal back. Like if yeah. it was a paper, yeah. I would have. If it was a, a pencil rather, uh, like a number two, I would have been ripping paper yeah. trying to erase, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, but had 85% of the front brakes left. And, you know, I think that I, on the flip side, maybe I, as Harley pointed out, he started talking about your 210 concept. I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, maybe I need a little bit of that 210. Yeah, you know, also, though, depending on what you're riding, because, like, like a lot of those long courses aren't super technical. You're not, you're not breaking super hard. Right. You know, if you're riding steeper stuff where you are going to be super hard on that front brake a lot of the time, like, even if you're just, like, you know, Keystone or, you know, Winter Park or something, or even a lot of front range stuff, I almost guarantee you'd be wearing that, those front pads, if you're doing stuff even remotely, you know, correctly. But a lot of, like, you know, a lot of just that longer stuff, you you don't have to slow down a lot like you do on the. The more technical it gets, the more you're gonna start going through oh, front, like front brake pads. Too. Descending, uh, you know, a fire road at, at Leadville for three thousand feet. You're like, not touching that. Yeah, you're yeah, just probably you're controlling momentum. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to go into that seventy percent. So you're probably just a lot of just controlling it with mm -hmm. the rear brake if you're doing it right. Yeah. You know? So what I've noticed, I'm not as evolved as Harley is when it comes to the bikes and understanding all the differences. But I just want to know your opinion. So I've got. Uh, I've got bikes in the garage with Magura pet, not in my garage. So the Denver Thieves, I don't have bikes in my garage. No, they're locked up. They're locked like, up like here. 18 cable locks yeah. and, <laughs> and some paddle locks. Like, stay away from my garage. 
but Man, no, there's what a weird world that we're like, dude. I don't know. Strava start my road bike ride until I'm down the block from yeah. my house because yeah. people are trolling it yeah. and finding where you come. Anyhow, anyway, um, I've got Mogura brakes in my garage. I've got SRAM and I've got Shimano XT, right? And then there's a bunch of different SRAMs and Maguras and all that. What is your go-to on your on your trail bike? What's your like favorite brake? XTs. XTs. Um, I like Shimano. A lot of people don't like Shimano because they feel that they're too touchy. It's either on off. Yeah. Yeah. I want that. I if I think about locking a, a rear brake and my weight's totally on the bike, but I make a mistake, but I need to brake the rear wheel. I I need that to happen. Um, I don't like SRAM because they just feel too mushy for me. Mm-hmm. Um, although I I did ride. Um, you tried those new codes. Ride those new G2s. I, I'm, I'm riding. Well, I'm yeah. riding the. Uh, what is it? The the guy the new guides right yeah, now. Yeah. Um, I I liked them a little bit. I, I'm still a Shimano guy. Um, uh, are you paid to say that? Are you no paid, no? Paid? This is no no. You one, have to buy that shit too. No no one's. And in fact, I'm swapping out my last year's Shimano stuff on my current bikes and putting my SRAM stuff onto last year's bikes. Um, and you know that's that's how much I like. And I also like the shifting a little bit better. Um, I, so now I'm I'm not affiliated with either one of those companies. So. I wish like SRAM would buy Shimano because <laughs> Shimano's stuff is kind of, it, it's, you get a consistently not great shift with Shimano, but you're going to get it every time, even if you shift in a crappy place, you know? Consistently not great. <laughs> but with, with, you know, in, in SRAM, you get that nice crisp shift, but the problem is if you're shifting and the bike's bouncing around and plates and you're under power, where a SRAM person would say, well, you shouldn't be shifting there. It's like, dude, I need to make that shift and Shimano will get it for me. That's kind of how I feel on those things. Consistently mediocre shifting from yeah. Shimano. <laughs> As opposed to great shifting or you might not get it. Yeah. Um, also, the, the cable throw on Shimano is, is pretty long compared to the really short cable throw on SRAM. So a lot of times, again, the bike's <clears> bouncing around a little bit. I want to get one, one drop one gear. But the bike bounces, and I get right. You get yeah. three. Well, you, know? you you sound you're quite analog, my friend, because our our good co-host to my right doesn't even have to. I, have I don't no even cable. know if he shifts anymore. Right. I think he right. goes, "Hey Siri, give me the thirty-two tooth." Or what? I think his just moves. <laughs> he, he thinks he about thinks, it yeah, exactly. The and it just like moves. It. The amazing yeah. thing is that yeah. Justin's phone just lit up and has oh, yeah. no <laughs> idea what. <laughs> She just asked me, did you accidentally summon me? <laughs> no, bitch. <laughs> uh, so, here, so here's my other take on, on that. Is the amount of traveling that you're doing, the amount of racing that you're doing, the amount of places that you're going, uh, no Magura. Um, SRAM or Shimano, because you only, can get yeah. that fixed. Um, another thing, like with DI2, um, so I do have DI2 on my 100, I didn't um, even know you had a 100. But I that's just one more thing that can kind of go wrong with my coaching yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So I don't, you know, I don't really So for you because your your bike's in a and DI2's rad. Yeah. No, I mean <laughs> anybody that says electronic shifting doesn't legitimately work better is has either never ridden it never or, ridden it, or right. has ridden it and is just in total denial and needs to go hang out with the no dropper post guys. Right. No, like I'll right. tell it's, you, like the electronic shifting is ridiculous. It's crisp. It's I'm fast. Just, yeah. It's awesome. I'm just too poor to have it. Yeah. And so it's, I'll talk shit. Yeah. Because I want it so bad. But, it's one more thing that I. And, yeah. And, you know, it's just one more thing. It's yeah. It's just it, when your bike's going in and out of a case, right. two to four weekends a weekend or two to four weekends a month. Yep. And you know, some knucklehead TSA agent is gonna inevitably break something on your bike. Um, I can, I you can, just got to manage how much they can break, right? Right. right. Yeah. I, you, know, you know, you can always get a replacement part. You can yeah. you can fix it. You yeah. can do something. You can always you know? get a shift cable 
if you're running di2 they may not have the wire or the you know the thing right exactly. so um well dude that was super awesome i mean i sat here i, I know you and harley have spent a lot more time chatting than i have dude I, I can't even like the number of things that popped into my head that i wanted to talk about <laughs> that we didn't even come close to touching <laughs> So maybe one time you when just Justin's... earned a spot back. Oh, yeah, hey, no. I was gonna say, dude, is that any time? Like, you know, I think uh, I think this here. fall when Justin is in Laruda racing, we'll try to just have the have a have a guest spot, and you and I can do some of those more ridiculous deep dives on. Would love the, to the dumb Andy and Harley Go shit. Rabbit holes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> talk about the good old days. Oh god, <laughs> no, it was a ton of fun. Um. No, that's great. And I think, you know, for those that have been listening and whether you're full on racer, you're just a fan of ours, you're new to biking, whatever. um, We're going to go ahead and make sure that we got contact information for Andy. So how do people find you for, so Andy runs clinics uh, in Colorado as well as all over the U.S. I think currently most of our listenerships here in Colorado, but that's, we're working on that. Um, So where, where do people find, find the, uh, the details on how to pay you to make them better at riding bikes? www.dirtsmartmtb.com. All right. Uh, all my contact info's there. And you have class schedule, rates. The, yeah, everything's up there. Um, yeah, the schedule's there. If, you, if you're local, local to Denver, um, it's, we could set up private coaching stuff, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best bang for your buck is, is doing yeah. the two-day camp. I've I mean, got I've, two, two coming up in Denver. Yeah, so. I've done the two-day camp. Um, Colin has as well. Um it's it's one of those things when you know we covered um back in one of our earlier episodes people who don't go to the gym and want to be better at mountain biking i think you know go to the gym pay for at least one session of professional coaching in your life for on a mountain bike i think um huge stamp of approval for me um so yeah yeah i love it i think and and even you know even if you just take these five tips you know a few that were on the bike and a couple that just talk about the, the culture and the identity of of being a mountain biker, you know, when you start to run with those a little bit, you know, I think when you get to see the progressions that happen, when you just pay a little bit more attention, um, it doesn't make it a job. It just wets the whistle a little bit. And we're like, well, what, what now? You know, like yeah. what else? And it, so that's it, it just builds momentum. It's like fitness training or anything else. You work out a couple times like, wow, I feel I, my movements, the way I reach for my cup of coffee is different. You know, and it's, it's the same thing. You're just, you're just bettering yourself at what you're trying to do, you know? Um, yeah, you know, 100%. So I think that's going to bring us around to the end. Got to give a little shout out to all the sponsors, uh, SRAM, Continental, Crank Brothers, Orbea, Color Up Therapeutics. Thanks, everybody, for the support. Yeah, if I could uh, thank Yeti. And, yeah, uh, yeah, go for Yeti it. Yeti Cycles, Zeal Optics, Base Camp Cyclery. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Great stuff, guys. Catch you next time. Oh, you're not done! So get the fuck out! No, wait! You're not done! So get the fuck out! No, wait! You're not done! So get the